here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Why is it necessary for Democrats and their fellow Marxists to trash people based on their gender, to trash people based on their race, their ethnicity? You know, it's an interesting thing. They try to turn the tables all the time. And it's people who disagree with them, who are the bigots and the racists and the homophobes and so forth and so on. The vast majority of us believe live and let live. Leave people alone and leave us alone. Treat us as individual human beings. But for the Democrats, the dehumanization of the individual human being brainwashing, groupthink, class identification is key. It's always been key to the Democrat Party since its, since its establishment. And it does it today. Doug Emhoff, I literally never heard this man speak before. They call him the second gentleman. He is Kamala Harris's husband. And he's on MSNBC today, and you need to understand, as I keep saying... You can say anything you want about people who are identified as white. You can say anything you want about men, about males, anything. And you can say anything you want about Christians, anything. And Jews, by the way. But that's not my focus right now. You can just say it. You can be a moron like Joe Biden in front of a group on the last day of Black History Month. I might be white, but I'm not stupid. Joe Biden has been a racist since the day he took his first breath. And he's a racist today. And he's a bigot today. That's what he is. But I want to hear you to hear this from Doug Emhoff, who's a nobody. It's a nobody. Cut 14, go. Can we just talk about masculinity for a moment? Um, 
as being second gentleman. This is this guy, own- Capehart. Can we talk about masculinity? Can we just talk about it for a moment? Has being second gentleman changed your own view of perceived gender roles? Go ahead. Of perceived gender roles of what it means to be a man. Whew, that's, this is something I've, I've thought about a lot and something I've spoken about a lot. There's too much of toxicity. It's masculine toxicity out there, and we've kind of confused what it means to be a man, what it means to be masculine. Where you know, we've confused what it means to be a woman and a young girl. We've confused what it means to be a man in sports and a woman in sports. We've confused, you know, you and I, we're confused. They're not confused. We're confused. Binary sexes. No, no, no. We're confused, you see, but they're not confused. Now we're confused about what it means to be a man. There's way too much toxicity, he says. And I'll give this point again. When's the last time you visited Arlington National Cemetery to see all the white male privilege and white dominant society and too much male toxicity? Maybe it's that these men don't get enough praise for what they do and what they've done. I want you to consider the Civil War. Too much toxicity. Males. And he means white, straight males. That's what he means. Too much toxicity. Let's take a look at the war that was waged to retain the Union and end slavery. Oh, it wasn't about ending slavery. I guess people haven't read the Emancipation Proclamation. The Battle of Gettysburg, July 1863. 51,000 casualties. This is a nation of about 24, 25 million people. The Battle of Chickamauga. September 1863, 35,000 casualties. The Battle of Spotsylvania Courthouse, 30,000 casualties. Every battle more horrific than the next. The Battle of the Wilderness, which was a horrendous battle with men burning to death. May 1864, 30,000 casualties. The Battle of Chancellorsville, April 1863, 24,000 casualties. The Battle of Shiloh, April 1862, 24,000 casualties. The Battle of Stones River, the end of December 1862, beginning of January 1863, 24,000 casualties. The Battle of Antietam, which had the largest single-day casualties of the Civil War, but overall, September 1862, 23,000 casualties. The Second Battle of Bull Run, August 1862, 22,000 casualties. The Siege of Vicksburg, May through July 1863, 
over 19,000 casualties. Some 700,000 casualties on both sides in the Civil War. No war has ever been fought, a civil war over slavery. None. In any other country on the face of the earth. Toxicity. In terms of battles, the most American deaths, casualties, the Battle of the Bulge in World War II. Now, who are supposed to fight these wars? Not masculine men? Not masculinity? I'm sick and tired of this. I'm totally sick and tired of the racism, the bigotry that is taking place in this country coming solely in this regard from Democrat leadership. From Democrat leadership. Most Republicans don't talk this way. Most independents don't talk this way. Joe Biden always talks this way. The Democrat Party leadership always talks this way. hundred years ago, this is how they talked about blacks. Today, this is how they talk about whites. What is it with this party? How about you stop talking about whites this way and stop talking about blacks the way you used to? And treat us as American citizens. Individual human beings. Colorblind society. Now if you believe in a colorblind society, you obviously believe in a white dominant society because a colorblind society is based on the white domination that took place beforehand. I'm not making this up. I read it the other day. Martin Luther King is out the window. Equality. They don't use the word equality anymore because they don't believe in it. These guys that have written these books, these women that have written these books in the last seven to eight years on critical race theory, on DEI, and all the rest of it, they believe in discrimination. They believe in resegregation. It's not a male toxicity. It is about bigotry. And if you try and confront it and speak out against it, you are attacked. You are attacked by Soros front groups. You are attacked by Dan Abrams front groups. It's interesting because they have almost all white people working there, but it doesn't matter. This is the narrative, and you either step in line and you march. Or you're a white supremacist. And they, they don't mean to just narrowly focus on the Klan or neo-Nazis and disgusting, vile pieces of you-know-what like that. No. They mean everybody. And if you're not white, whatever that means, 
and you defend this society, you defend this country, you believe in assimilation, you believe in the capitalist system, you believe in America, you are denounced. What was it that that guy said on MSNBC, Mr. Producer? You might be of the same skin, but you're not the same. Said something to that effect. You remember that? In attacking Nikki Haley. You either fall into line, or they claim you're out of line. And see, here we are, the same crap. It's day in and day out from this moron who's the first gentleman. There's nothing gentlemanly about him. And why do we even call him a gentleman if we're supposed to ignore all that stuff? First gentleman. He's the first he. Or them. The Democrat Party is a cancer, not just on the body politic, but on this country. That's what it is. They don't embrace the country. They don't believe in the country. I'm not saying there aren't Democrats out there in this audience who aren't patriots. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I mean. It's very obvious that the Democrat Party is the vessel through which this American Marxist movement is functioning now. And you can see the insanity. You can hear the insanity. Why do you think the media ignored the entire China lab thing? And if anybody even brought up the possibility that you're a kook or you're a radical, why? Because they're fronting for communist China. And because Tom Cotton dared to bring it up. And then later, Donald Trump dared to bring it up. So they didn't care about science. Not in the least. Why do you think they kept promoting Fauci, regardless of what he said, even when he would contradict himself one week to the next, one day to the next? Why do you think? Because they supported the totalitarian steps that blue state governors were taking against their people. They don't believe in freedom. They believe in the iron fist of the phony experts and administrators in Washington, D.C. Same with the masks. Same with the attack on brilliant, successful, published medical experts and scientists from Stanford and Yale, from Oxford, from Rockefeller College, who were saying, and not just them, Natural immunity is the greatest strength against this virus, as it always has been against every virus. But, of course, they were dismissed as whack jobs too. Or Russia collusion. Or one reporter at the New York Times going to the border and spending months figuring out what's happened to all these kids. That's it. Or the idiocy of electric vehicles, how they make the communist Chinese powerful and wealthy, how they line the pockets of Biden and Democrat billionaires, 
I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. Thing. You know, think about it. Ten years ago, or let me put it to you this way, before our first black president, Obama, was elected by a vast majority white country, most of this wasn't going on. This kind of open racism, open hostility, this, this attack on binary sexuality... It wasn't taking place. But the radicals, the bomb throwers on the left, now control the culture as they do the Democrat Party. They control the media. And these, these are the folks who keep pushing these agendas, whether in the United States military, whether in our classrooms, whether in the so-called public debate. What are we even debating when a guy says... Uh, masculinity is too toxic. What the hell does that even mean? And of course, they don't really want you to discuss it. They just want you to embrace it and promote it. Anytime I bring this subject up, I'm attacked. Why am I attacked? I'm bringing up what they're saying and I'm saying they're wrong. I'll be right back. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Well, it's a pleasure to have Governor Ron DeSantis with us. Uh, Governor, your book is 
is as hot as can be right now. And um, I think the substance of the book is really very, very compelling. What do you why do you think your book is so popular right now? By now, you know, uh, the interviews are taking place, of course, but it's the substance of the book now, because the book was released on Tuesday. Here we are. It's Thursday. What do you think is drawing interest in this book? Well, the fact that I was on for the full hour on Life, Liberty, and Levin didn't hurt. I'll tell you that. I think we saw, they said they saw a huge pop after that. So I want to thank you for having me. And a lot of people really appreciated the interview because you wanted to talk substance, and it wasn't about the nonsense that so many interviews can devolve into. So they, I think they felt like you were eliciting really uh, important information. But, yeah, you know, I had someone say to me, well, you know, you're not really talking about yourself. You're just kind of talking about, like, achievements and issues and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, like, I, I don't need to be, uh, you know, blowing smoke up, up, up my own rear end. I need to be talking about what we were able to do in terms of how we approach leadership, the results that we were able to do what we're up against in terms of fighting the left on all fronts and how Florida really represents a model for other states and and really for the country. And I think people, because they know our country's had a lot of problems, particularly in the last couple of years, some of them are in these failed blue states. They see the problems up close and personal. But yet for millions of Americans, Florida has been a source of inspiration. Uh, during the time that I was governor, people have come down here to live. They've, they've stationed here. And yeah, I know. And so I think it's uh, we have come to symbolize uh, what America is all about in, in the best sense. And of course, people are voting with their feet accordingly. So it's a story that we're proud of. But I think it is an optimistic story because we have fought the left on all these fronts and we have beat the left on all these fronts. Mm-hmm. And how are you being received? You're really you're traveling now. You're talking to a lot of groups. You're going to travel a whole lot more. Um, people enthusiastic, I assume, right? Yeah, they really are. And people have reported that uh, the, the bookstores the first day ran out of the books. They had to get more re- sent in and restocked. We just did a book signing at Books a Million in, uh, in Ponte Vedra Beach, and it sold out very quickly. And we did the private signing, and, and we've been doing other events. So people are enthusiastic about it. And, of course, online. I mean, I think when they were watching your show, they went all, all went on to Amazon and did it. And people can get it on Amazon. They can also go to DeSantisBook.com. Um, so we're we're excited with the reception. We're actually going to be tomorrow in the state of Texas. We're going to be in Houston, and we're going to be in Dallas on Saturday. And then on Sunday, I'm going to be at the Reagan Library in Simi Valley, California. And I know you've been there, and uh, and also Orange County, California. So we've gotten great interest in Florida, of course, because they they know what we've done. But but outside in these other major major areas. What do you see? First of all, your book covers a lot of things, a lot of areas. And, you know, I was very interested in your background, very interested in the part that talks about a post-constitutional America. And maybe there's not one thing, but what do you see as the greatest threat to the country? The, the, the attack on the culture, the attack on our Constitution, uh, the open borders, what? I think all of those flow from the root problem, uh, which is militant leftism has infected so many institutions in our society. I can win an election in Florida, Mark, like I did by 1.5 million votes, almost twice as much in terms of raw vote than any governor has been able to do. And yet, 
the left still has a chance to impose its agenda on Florida through corporations, which we fight aback like we did against Disney, through the universities, which we're also fighting aback by by changing tenure so tenured professors can be let go, uh, and also appointing conservative board members to places like New College. Uh, They can do it through the federal bureaucracy, which has been weaponized, and they can do it through big tech with their censorship practices, which, of course, we're fighting back against. So I think the, the, the difference between, like, maybe when President Reagan came on the scene was that government was the problem. If you could get a handle on government, I think the thought was a lot of our society uh, was healthy. Certainly people didn't view business as being heavily politicized and some of these other things. Now, I think the left has so many ways that they can impose their agenda on us that we've got to be up for the fight. In Florida, we've said we're going to fight the left across the board. My job is to protect Floridians from the pathologies of the left. And yes, I'm going to win legislative debates in the Florida legislature. I would veto woke legislation if they ever did that. Uh, But I also got to be concerned of all these other avenues of society. And I think that's why things seem so ominous, because it's like everywhere we turn, it seems like there's an assault on our shared values. The book is The Courage to Be Free by Ron DeSantis. Obviously, you can get it on Amazon.com. DeSantis, what was it? DeSantisBooks.com? DeSantisBooks. Singular.com, yep. com. Mr. Producer, let's put that on all the social sites. Any major bookstore, even some minor bookstores, should have it. If not, you should ask them why not. I think one of the things that separates you from others is you're a reader. You understand American history. You also understand the history of the progressive era, this Marxism that's grown out of the progressive era. So you understand this battle over the cultures, the battle over the future. You cannot segregate it from politics as it's what you're saying now reagan was a reader he had a lot of books in his library that go back to uh, to a lot of the philosophers i suspect you have them too and and so you see over the last 100 120 years it's been part of their effort to take over the schools the colleges and universities the media and all the rest am i right about that no absolutely mark and, and think about the debates we're having I am doing things like banding gender ideology in the classroom, critical race theory, and people are attacking me from the left saying, you know, you're getting government involved in education. Excuse me, these are government institutions that our tax dollars are funding. So the left views public institutions funded by your tax dollars where you're electing conservatives to office should still have license to impose a leftist agenda. How does that make sense? But I think conservatives for too long just kind of let that slide. So we're asserting our right uh, to basically have schools do what's in the public interest, the best interest of parents and the best interest of students, and the same with our public universities. We don't want to fund universities that are going to be fomenting political activism and imposing ideology. We want to fund universities whose mission is the search for truth, academic integrity, and giving students a foundation so they can think for themselves and become citizens of our republic. And we'll fund that. So we have every right, especially when we're winning elections across the board in a state like Florida, to say these public institutions are going to be responsive to the policies of the state uh, and to the best interests of the people who are funding the institutions. So the media and the radicals in the opposite party and beyond 
What they tend to do and what they do with you is they frame the argument in a way where you have to argue against something you never said or did. Like, oh, he doesn't want to teach African-American history. Oh, he doesn't want to teach about slavery. Oh, he doesn't believe in academic freedom. And it's, it's amazing how they can turn these things around and twist them when you're the one who's fighting for everything they say they claim to support, no? Well, exactly. I mean, you know, Mark, you, I think you reported on it. The AP or the college board wanted to do an advanced placement high school course on African-American studies. And our standards do not allow ideological indoctrination. And there was a lot of the course was fine, but they had things like neo-Marxism. They had CRT. They had queer theory in a black studies course, all these other things. So we rejected our Department of Education. Now, we weren't the only state who had problems with it, Mark. We were the only state to publicly reject because you know when you do that, what are they going to do? They're going to demagogue you. They're going to call you names. They're going to do all that. But it's our view that we cannot let the demagoguery of the left veto us from doing what's right. So we've made the case, and actually I think a lot of people now have seen, well, gee, Florida actually requires teaching, you know, all the key aspects uh, of black history, which we just consider African, or, uh, American history because this is a shared history that we have, and you got to teach everything about it, but teach it factually. And so we've been able to do that. And so I think what the left, the problem that they have is, you know, I'm very uh, disciplined in my approach. Uh, when I go out to that podium and we're announcing these initiatives, these are things we've thought through. We don't do it half-cocked. And so usually they have a hard time arguing what, what I'm actually saying, so then they have to manufacture a false narrative. But the good thing about that, Mark, is when it's not grounded in facts at all, it's very easy to shoot down some of these media activists at a press conference because they don't have any facts that they can rely on. You know, it's amazing, America. If Ron DeSantis were a left-wing Democrat, they'd be talking about what a brilliant man he is. He served his country. What a beautiful wife he has. What beautiful young children he has. And he would be the first Italian this and the first that. But, of course, you don't get that, do you? You're just smeared left and right. And I try to tell my audience, uh, Governor, that whoever the Republican is, I'm not even talking about president, whoever the Republican is who's drawing attention, they try and kneecap them. So my final question to you is this. It's hard to get used to a media like this, but I guess you kind of expect this now, don't you? Well, part of the, what the courage to be free means is that it's a recognition. Leadership in this day and age, when you're standing for our shared values, given the hostility of all these elite institutions, leadership's not cost-free. They're going to come at you. They're going to smear you. Of course they're not going to treat you like they would treat a Democrat. But you have to take that and wear it as a badge of honor because you're fighting the good fight and you're standing for what's right. And it, it, it is a sacrifice, although I don't really care what a lot of these people think about me, uh, but it pales in comparison to the sacrifices our founders made so many others through the years. And so in this day and age, when you're standing for our principles, and it doesn't have to be be a governor or be a presidential candidate or whatever you want to say, a parent going to a school board meeting who's speaking the truth will be attacked. That's just what we have to understand. And so you fight through it. But when you stand on principle for people and you defend their values against hostile fire, they will have your back. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to win a historic reelection, because people had seen me for four years, never give an inch, 
always stand my ground and always stand up for them. Well, the governor needs to go. I want to thank you for your time. You can go to Amazon.com, DeSantisBook.com. The book is The Courage to Be Free. It is a fantastic book, as people who are getting it realize. I want to strongly encourage you to grab your copy now. That's Amazon.com or DeSantisBook.com. I know you're going to these different uh, locations to sign a book, Governor. I just hope you have all the proper protection that you need. Okay? We do. We're good. We appreciate you, Mark. Thanks for having me on. God bless. Take care of yourself. There he goes, Governor DeSantis. He is... He's a very good man. A very good man. The book is called The Courage to Be Free. And it really is a a very... There's no gossip in this book. There's no personal attacks, no name-calling, you know, uh, no finger-pointing. And the subtitle is Florida's Blueprint for America's Revival. The Courage to Be Free. I know he wrote this book himself. By Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, the incredibly successful governor of Florida. They have a great discount on this book right now, 35% off at Amazon.com. That's where I go and grab it because it can wind up at your, uh, at your stoop or wherever you are uh, tomorrow. Or any major bookstore you're in, and you, you heard them, they're running out of books in the stores, which is outrageous. It's great. That means there's a demand. But it's outrageous that these uh, retailers haven't ordered enough books. The Courage to Be Free, Florida's Blueprint for America's Revival. Governor DeSantis, again, I've read this book. Read it in one night. Read 90% of it in one night and then finished the rest of it the next day. What are you, what are you harassing me for there, Mr. Uh, producer? What do you want? I'm just kidding him. He keeps the trains working here. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. Well, you know, I haven't been talking about this Murdoch trial, even though I think he's guilty as hell. Just one man's opinion, but something shocking just happened. The jury has informed the judge that they have a verdict. And I'm seeing here that they informed the judge they had a verdict at 6.41 p.m. Eastern Time. 6.41 p.m. Eastern Time, so everybody's coming back into the courtroom. So that means they, how long did they take? Two hours max? Wow. I think even the OJ jury took at least four or five hours. 
Now, we'll know soon enough if we get the verdict while I'm on the air, and I think we will. We will play it live. As I said, I haven't even discussed this case. Because I, it, it is strange to me what cases the media focus on and what cases the media do not. But since it's been going on and on and on and on, and many of you have been watching it, uh, when we get the verdict and live, I will let you know. I think this verdict will certainly be read within the next 15 to 30 minutes, no more than an hour. We will be here for this. The Murdoch jury is back. They reached a verdict, and I will be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, folks, we're going live to the courtroom, the Murdoch verdict. Go. Judges reviewed the the documents from the jury. That is the votes. Can you hear the shuffling of the paper? Here we go. The defendant will rise. Madam Clerk, you may publish the verdict starting with the back, not with the, let's see, I'll tell you again, starting with the back, flipping them over one by one. Docket number 2022 GS15-00592, the State of South Carolina, County of Colleton, in the Court of General Sessions, in the term of 2022, July, the State versus Richard Alexander Murdoch, Defendant, Indictment for murder, SC code 16-3-0010, CDR code 0116. Guilty verdict, signed by the four lady, 3223. Docket number 2022-GS-15. Dash zero zero five nine three, the state of South Carolina, County of Colleton, in the Court of General Sessions, the July term of two thousand twenty-two, the state versus Richard Alexander Murdoch, defendant, indictment for murder, SC code sixteen dash three dash zero zero one zero, CDR code zero one one six. 
verdict guilty, signed by the four lady, date 3-2 of 23. Guilty of murder. Docket number 2022-GS15-00595, the State of South Carolina, County of Colleton, Court of General Sessions, July term 2022, the State versus Richard Alexander Murdoch, defendant, indictment for possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime, SC Code-16-23-0490, CDR Code 0549, Verdict guilty, signed by the foreperson of the jury, date 3223. Docket number 2022 GS 15 00594, the State of South Carolina, County of Colleton, Court of General Sessions, July term 2022, the State versus Richard Alexander Murdoch, defendant. Indictment for possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime, SC Code 16-23-0490, CDR Code 0549, verdict guilty, signed by the foreperson of the jury, 3-2-23. Thank you. Um, Guilty of all Madam charges. Madam Lady and members of the jury, if that is the verdict of each and every juror, please let it be known by raising your right hands. All right, thank you. Any individual polling requested? We do. Right, Madam Clerk, you'll need to individually poll the ju jury according to their jury juror numbers. Number 193. Was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror two two. I'm sorry, juror two five four. Yes. Is this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror three two six. Was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror six. Juror five three zero. Was this your verdict? Yes. Is this your verdict? Yes. Juror five four four. Yes. Was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 572. Was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 578. Was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 589. Was this your verdict? Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 630. Was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 729, was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 826, was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Juror 864, was this your verdict? Yes. Is it still your verdict? Yes. Your Honor, the jury has been polled. Thank you. The jury has been polled and the verdict is a unanimous verdict. If you will bring the alternate juror out and have her uh, have a seat in the audience, please. listening 
to the Murdoch guilty verdict on all counts. Or you can sit back there, whatever you prefer. Okay. Are there any post-trial motions? From the state, Your Honor. Your Honor, we would just renew our previously uh, uh, argued motions for a directed verdict. And at this on, on the grounds, on those grounds, we would make a motion for a mistrial to set aside the verdict. Um, by the state, response. Your Honor, based on our previous arguments, we would submit that the uh, case properly went to the jury and the verdict is proper and would rely on those arguments. Uh, we've been here now 28 days, um, first few days of jury selection and the remainder receiving testimony, uh, a, an overwhelming amount of testimony and evidence that was presented to the jury for the jury's consideration. As I indicated to the jury during the jury charge, or the charge on the law, that this was a matter solely for jury, the jury to determine. Uh, the court found at the end of the state's case that there's sufficient evidence to find the defendant guilty if the evidence um, was believed by the jury. Uh, likewise, at the end of the, the uh, defense's case, when the motion was renewed, the court um, found that the evidence was sufficient for the jury to find the defendant guilty. The jury has now considered the evidence um, for a significant period of time, and um, the evidence of guilt is overwhelming. And uh, I deny the motion. The, Mr. Murdoch, you now having been found guilty of two counts of murder involving your wife and your son, two counts of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime, uh, the burden now comes upon the court to impose a sentence. Uh, given the lateness of the hour and the victims' rights that must be um, taken into consideration and complied with under the Victims' Bill of Rights, and consider what I would anticipate to be a number of people who might have something to say regarding sentencing. Uh, we will defer sentencing to a later date. Of course, the um, minimum sentence for murder is 30 years. The maximum sentence is life imprisonment as to each count. And the, on the weapons charge, the sentence is up to five years or five years. Um, which has to be concurrent if a life sentence is imposed. When would you all like to uh, reconvene for sentencing? I would like to give everyone an adequate opportunity to prepare, prepare for it. State will be ready at 9.30 in the morning, Your Honor. We could do it at 9.30 tomorrow morning also. 
All right. The um, defendant is remanded to the custody of the um, Colleton County Sheriff's Department. All right. So the sentencing is tomorrow morning. And I suspect they'll throw the book at him. <clears throat> and he's found guilty of murdering his wife and his son, Paul. I've always felt that's what he did. His memory was very selective, and the memory loss seemed to occur at very propitious times. The two to three minute period of time from when his uh, son and wife were murdered. Uh, he lied about having been in uh, proximity of that murder, those murders. Uh, but then uh, video appeared, and he had been at the kennel with the dogs. Um, and then he came up with some excuses or whatever it was. Nobody was buying it. People were very impressed with the manner in which he conducted himself when he was testifying. Um, I don't think he made any mistakes when he was testifying. It's just that you, you can't overcome even circumstantial evidence like that. Have they found the weapon or weapons? No. But in murder cases, sometimes you don't. There was nobody else there. They couldn't show that anybody else was there. And in the end, he's found guilty, and he's found guilty in record time, I think, some kind of record, jury wasn't buying any of it and the way he murdered his wife and son and I won't describe that you can look it up yourself it's really horrendous the way he shot his son back of the head what happened to his head when he did that I don't care who you are I don't care how much trouble you're in I don't care how much debt you owe. I don't care if you're a drug addict. I don't care about any of it. To slaughter your own son and your wife that way, anybody, but especially your own family, is unconscionable. So, I, I confess I didn't listen to the entire trial. But I would uh, throw the book at the guy. Two life sentences. With no possibility of parole. For up to me, it would even be worse. But it's not up to me. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company. 
and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So you have a lot of lawyers... TV or second guessing what should have been done, what could have been done. I don't think there was any way to get this guy off. I really don't. Now, all that said, you think about the victims here, his son and his wife. It's disgusting what happened to them. But as I listen to this, a little bit of perspective. You know what's going on the southern border tonight as I speak? People are being raped. Children are being victimized. Drug cartels torturing people. People are dying. And no, no attention is paid to this other than Fox and so forth. You know, I watch all these these networks and these phony sites like Mediaite, which I call Mediocreite and Media Matters and all. They're obsessed with a handful of things. President Trump, Joe Scarborough, who's a, just a pure reprobate. Handful of things. But things going on in the border that have been incredibly intensified and expanded all the violence and crime that will not be discussed tonight that will not be reported on tonight Joe Biden will not be pressed on it tonight none of it and yet as you listen to me speak the horrors that are taking place there it's unbelievable it's unbelievable this man is an animal. But you know he's not. Animals don't do this. This man is a devil. It's what he is. And no amount of slick lawyer talk could get him out of the situation. In the end, <clears throat> and it is interesting, Mr. Producer, he didn't shed a tear. He didn't show an emotion when those verdicts were read, did he? Nothing. If you lost your son and wife in such horrific, traumatizing circumstances, such brutality, and you're convicted of it, and you're innocent, I would think you wouldn't even want to live anymore. You'd be an emotional wreck. Hey, but what do I know? An evil mind. That's what it is. There are people today in every major city. People today in every state. Who are not going to survive the night. Some will survive the night, but will have been changed forever. 
from brutal assaults. Tonight, as I speak, and before the night is over, families are going to be crushed. People are going to be crushed. In a country that's become incredibly lawless and violent, while the ruling class, through their own policies, mostly ignores it. All right, we've got more today, this evening. I'll be right back. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. As you know, uh, Kevin McCarthy has released not all, but apparently some of the January 6th video footage to Tucker Carlson. And I think that's a good thing. And the left media are very upset about this. Now they want copies. Now, of course, before they didn't, they didn't care when the January 6th Politburo told them, no, they said, fine, we're in your camp, we'll do whatever you say. But now they want it. Why? Because they're disgusting, that's why. Because they can't hide anymore, and they don't even want to. They stand naked as the radical left Democrat Party Marxist ideologues that they are. Giving aid and comfort to those who undermine our country. And then claiming that they're protecting our country. That they're a free press. No, they're not. They're a Democrat Party corporate press. That's what they are. So here's Joy Reid on MSNBC yesterday. Joy Reid is... She's a nut. She's a whack job. She's a bigot. She's a homophobe. Hence, a completely full resume for MSLSD. Cut 15, go. But now, McCarthy has agreed to provide the highly sensitive videos to the actual people who attacked the Capitol. Now, how does she know they're highly sensitive? Because that's the line the Democrat Party's using. She doesn't know that they're highly sensitive. She hasn't seen them. Go ahead. Some of the same people who were calling for the hanging of former Vice President Mike Pence and vowing to drag former Speaker Some Nancy of the P- same people calling for the hanging of Mike Pence. Who were they exactly? 
Was there one person? Ten people? Thousand people? Some of the same people calling for the hanging of, of former Vice President Mike Pence and drag former Speaker Nancy Pelosi and congressmen like Alexander Ocasio-Cortez out of the Capitol by their hair, and none of that happened. Not even close. But she wants you to believe that this is all the Trump supporters, that it was everybody who showed up on January 6th, because she's a hateful demagogue. That's why. And she's not reined in, because this is how MSNBC gets their ratings. This is how Comcast gets money, and they're not going to stop. Go ahead. And Congresswomen like Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez out of the Capitol by their hair. Some of the same people who are associated with extremist groups like the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. How can McCarthy... By the way, by the way, by the way, just, I'm just curious. Is Black Lives Matter an extremist group? I'm just curious. If, if we're naming extremist groups, okay, let's go ahead. Is it an extremist group? Yes or no? How about Antifa, Joy? Is that an extremist group? Yes or no? There are extremist groups out there, don't get me wrong. But why doesn't she mention others? Because she likes Black Lives Matter. And she likes Antifa. I guess. Go ahead. Some of the same people that the FBI director called the most dangerous faction of the country... (laughs) access to information about the security routes of lawmakers. It is amazing to hear Marxist leftists cite the FBI. Is it not to you, Mr. Producer? Angela Davis condemned the FBI. All of Barack Obama's domestic terrorist buddies, they condemned the FBI. They attacked the FBI. I'm just wondering. All the 60s radicals, 70s radicals, the new left movement, the Black Panthers, they all attacked the FBI, but now they cite the FBI. Isn't that interesting? What does that tell you? Tells you a lot. Go ahead. Rooms are, as well as where security cameras are located. I mean, is he deliberately trying to... So again, to- she is regurgitating what the radical Democrats say in the House. Where the security cameras are located. And this will reveal that, you see. The American people have a right to know exactly what took place that, that day, Joy. And we shouldn't be relying on prosecutors to tell us what we can and cannot see. This is supposed to be a free country, Joy. And rather than keep trying to ram a narrative down everybody's throat by regurgitating the comments by the government and your party... By regurgitating the comments by the government and your party. We'd like to see for ourselves. And let the chips fall where they may. Go ahead. People crucial information that they would need to plan another attack and perhaps be more successful. Because if he's not doing that, he sure is doing a great impression of someone who is. Oh, so McCarthy, listen to this. Now, she's not a conspiracy theorist. She's not a nut job, is she? She's not unhinged and obsessed, is she? 
No, because she has a primetime show on MSNBC. She must be good. She's backed by Comcast. So she's saying, I want to listen to this, that Kevin McCarthy is releasing these videos because he wants another attack organized against the Capitol building. Really? And the Democrats are letting criminals out of prisons? Why? And the Democrats are letting illegal aliens, including criminals, MS-13, into the country? Why? Why? This is quite remarkable, coming from, even from Joy Reid. It sounds to me like she has a lot of masculine toxicity, Mr. Producer. What do you think? I think I'm allowed to say that because since we're not binary and you identify by what's between your ears and not your legs, what's the problem? But isn't that amazing? I think it's amazing. She's citing the FBI, and of course, all she's doing, just like the Wuhan lab, just like the masks, just like natural immunity, just like Russia collusion, they hand themselves awards, Pulitzers, and all the rest, she's just regurgitating propaganda. Either she's too stupid to think for herself, or she's just a radical ideologue. Perhaps it's both. And, of course, she's not alone on that network. In fact, the whole conga line there is pretty much of the same mindset and belief system. I shall return. Mark Levin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Biden was at the uh, Democrat Caucus Issues Conference yesterday. Remember that mother who lost her two sons to fentanyl, Rebecca Kissling? Well, it's not Trump's fault. Excuse me, it's not Biden's fault it's just because the border's open and record amounts of fentanyl are coming through and record numbers of young people are dying. No, 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 that's Trump's fault. And not only is it Trump's fault, it's funny. This guy has ice water in his veins. He doesn't give a damn about the consequences not a damn about what goes on with these mi- migrant kids. Not what goes on crime in our streets. He does not give a damn. The surrender in Afghanistan. It's a long list. His history of racism and bigotry. 
Tara Reid. They treat her like a non-person, like she doesn't even exist. I want you to listen to this. First of all, they keep going after this Marjorie Teller Green because they think they have somebody there they can focus the nation on and attack her and attack her and attack. They don't want to confront the issues. They change the issues when we talk about the issues. They make you debate their issues. We ought to just dismiss this now. Cut one, go. She, she was very specific recently saying that a mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that I, that I killed her sons. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> Look, folks. Anyway, I don't want to get started. <laughs> Think that's funny? Well, this poor woman who lost her two sons, she's demanding an apology because she's being brutalized all over again. This is, this is Joe Biden. The Democrats are making excuses. The media are making excuses. No excuse. This came right out of his big mouth, and you heard it. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-318-3811. 817-318-3811. Now, um, the other day I, I read to you a story about migrant children. Shockingly, it was in the New York Slimes. And I told you I believe the reporter deserves a Pulitzer Prize. Shockingly, here's an interesting story in the Washington Compost, not by Philip Bump, but by Carol D. Leonig. Devlin Barrett, Perry Stein, and Aaron C. Davis. No wonder the post has gone broke. You need four reporters on one story. Four reporters, Mr. Producer. Months of disputes. There was a showdown before the raid. FBI agents and prosecutors argued over Trump. This is what I meant to find the other day, but here it is. Months of disputes between Department of Justice prosecutors and FBI agents over how best to try to recover classified documents from Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club 
and his residence led to a tense showdown near the end of July last year, according to four people familiar with the discussions. Prosecutors argued that new evidence suggested Trump was knowingly concealing secret documents at his Palm Beach, Florida home. They urged the FBI to conduct a surprise raid at the property. But two senior FBI officials who would be in charge of leading the search resisted the plan as too combative and proposed instead to seek Trump's permission to search his property, according to the four people who spoke on condition of anonymity to describe a sensitive investigation. What did I tell you the other day? I was chief of staff to Attorney General Meese in the Reagan administration. There is no way, no way there would have been a secret search or warrant or anything else of an ex-president under any circumstances. No way. But here they did it. And it was really up to Merrick Garland to put his foot on the brake here and tell these, these clowns, these bureaucrat prosecutors, no, you can't do this. But he didn't. Prosecutors ultimately prevailed in that dispute, one of several previously unreported clashes, and a tense tug-of-war between two arms of the Justice Department over how aggressively to pursue a criminal investigation of a former president. The FBI conducted an unprecedented raid on August 8, recovering more than 100 classified items, among them a document describing a foreign government's military defenses, including its nuclear capabilities. Why is the Washington Post reporting this? This was leaked by the very so-called prosecutors who are trying to get the goods on Trump over what they say could have been leaked. I mean, think about this. Starting in May, FBI agents in the Washington field office had sought to slow the probe, urging caution, given its extraordinary sensitivity, the people said. Some of those field agents wanted to shutter the criminal investigation altogether in early June. Altogether. After Trump's legal team asserted a diligent search had been conducted and all classified records had been turned over, according to some people with knowledge of the discussions. The idea of closing the probe was not something that was discussed or considered by FBI leadership and would not have been approved, a senior law enforcement official said. Who knows? This account reveals for the first time the degree of tension among law enforcement officials and behind-the-scenes deliberations as they wrestled with a national security case that has potentially far-reaching political consequences. And the disagreement stemmed in large part from worries among officials that whatever steps they took in investigating a former president would face intense scrutiny and second-guessing by people inside and outside the government. Now, let's just stop there. You go from this last summer, where the FBI is raising very serious concerns, and by that I mean the, the agents, not senior management, the agents, one supervisor, that would have to actually execute the warrant. And they're saying, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Why are we even doing this? And I told you before, Attorney General Meese would have picked up the phone and called, let's say it was a, uh, Jimmy Carter's Attorney General, and said, uh, look, we need to get the information. We're going to come in. This is the way we want to do it, so there's not a problem. That never happened with Merrick Garland. Never happened with Merrick Garland. And now we have a prosecutor who's well beyond this. He's now trying to get the vice president to testify. He's trying to get President Trump's, one of his top lawyers to testify. He's already gotten some of his junior lawyers to testify. In other words, they're making a 
massive federal case out of this. Whereas early on, the FBI said, what are we doing, FBI field agents? What are we doing here? You see what I mean by the overkill? By the overkill, and then you have disgruntled former attorneys general like Bill Barr on TV. Well, it's kind of an open and shut case. I, I mean, he had the documents. He wouldn't give them up. And this is the situation we're in, you know. Hanging by his feet like Mussolini from a telephone pole. He deserves it. Go ahead. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. On one side, federal prosecutors in the department's National Security Division, would that be the same group that wanted to go after parents? Yes, it would. Advocated aggressive ways to secure some of the country's mostly closely guarded secrets, which they feared Trump was intentionally hiding at Mar-a-Lago. Intentionally hiding at Mar-a-Lago? Intentionally hiding how? Uh, the Secret Service is there. What do you mean intentionally hiding? What was he going to do with it? doesn't even make any sense, these idiots. On the other, FBI agents in the Washington field office urged more caution. What's such a high-profile matter recommending they take a cooperative rather than confrontational approach? They were right. Both sides were mindful of the intense scrutiny the case was drawing, felt they had to be above reproach while investigating a former president, then expected to run for re-election while trying to follow the Justice Department playbook for classified record probes, Investigators on both sides braced for Trump to follow his own playbook of publicly attacking the integrity of their investigation. Well, that wasn't hard to do. The FBI agent's caution also was rooted in the fact that mistakes in prior probes of Hillary Clinton and Trump have proved damaging to the FBI, and the cases subjected the Bureau to sustained public attacks from partisans. Prosecutors countered that the FBI failing to treat Trump as it had other government employees who were not truthful about classified records could threaten the nation's security. Oh, you're so full of crap. They just wanted his head, came from the highest levels of the Department of Justice. Meritless Garland made the final decision. With his gang of Politburo reprobates over there, But they, they received resistance from Trump at Mar-a-Lago, so... Jason Jones, the FBI's general counsel, considered a confidant of FBI Director Christopher Wray, talk about a weirdo, agreed the team had sufficient probable cause to justify a search warrant. Meanwhile, supervisory agent Dianuno agreed too, but said that they still try to persuade Corcoran, that's the lawyer, to let them search without a warrant, the people said. And why didn't they? The disagreement over seeking Corcoran's consent centered partly on how each side viewed Trump's lawyer. The prosecutors, as well as some officials at FBI headquarters, were highly suspicious of him and feared that appealing to him risked that the word would spread through Trump's... And now they're going after this lawyer. And now Jack the Ripper Smith, who they sent off to the head because he's such an a-hole. He's such a screw-up has been brought back. And what is he doing? He's got eight secret pieces of litigation going on, according to reports, including one against this guy, Corcoran, who's one of Trump's top lawyers on the document case, because they want to violate attorney-client privilege. And they want a case handed to them so they get to see the defense side and the prosecution side. Isn't that neat? 
Isn't that cool, ladies and gentlemen? You know what? We want to know what you discussed with Mr. Trump. Yes, on the crime fraud exception. Everything's the crime fraud exception. exception. Except here, the FBI didn't even want to go forward with the damn thing. At least the agents didn't. Some FBI agents had more trust in Corcoran. A former federal prosecutor who had recently returned to practicing law, Representative Bannon, and former, a former Trump advisor, current criminal contempt charges. The agents drafted a possible script they could use to pitch to Trump's lawyer in a consensual search. Dinatuto's team, this is the FBI agent, said they could keep surveillance on Mar-a-Lago and act quickly if they saw any scramble to move evidence. The prosecutors refused. It's too risky, they said. And the prosecutors won the day with the Attorney General. And so rather than doing this on a consensual basis and a conciliatory basis, they pulled the trigger. Think about that. They pulled the trigger. This was all unnecessary. All of it. But they did it anyway. Just after 2 p.m., Garland stood before cameras to announce he appointed Smith to take over the investigations. Flanked by three of his top deputies, Garland said the Department of Justice had the integrity to continue the investigations fairly, but that turning them over to an outside prosecutor was the right thing to do. The extraordinary circumstances presented here demanded, he said, no. And yet again, you don't appoint a special prosecutor to investigate your boss's political opponent who's running for president and right now leading in the polls. You appoint a special prosecutor to investigate yourself, your department, your boss, the president, the vice president, people in your own administration. And you can see what a complete, what a complete hack and thug Merrick Garland is. Whether it's parents or pro-lifers, whether it's a former president, whether it's Republican legislatures he disagrees with, and he appointed a like-minded slob, in my humble opinion, to be the special counsel, who's trying to violate every ethical procedure that exists under the rules of conduct, the rules of conduct for lawyers. This is where this jerk got burned before in front of the Supreme Court, and in another case, and yet he's doing it again. He doesn't care. He just wants convictions. He wants to interfere with the election. The FBI now has interfered with three elections. It interfered with the 2016 election, but failed. It interfered in the 2020 election by covering up Hunter Biden's laptop. Succeeded. And it interfered in the midterm elections by covering up the fact that Joe Biden had classified information. The question for Joe Biden is where didn't he put classified information as opposed to where he did. He had so much spread all over the place. Three elections they interfered in, the FBI. And they want to decide the outcome of this one because they know, and they, they are now an appendage, I'm sorry to say, of the Democrat Party. This is an amazing story. You literally had field agents and one senior agent in Washington, D.C. saying, no, 
Let's not do the warrant. No, let's not do a surprise search. Somebody call the ex-president. Let's work this out on a conciliatory basis. We can do this. And the prosecutor said no. And the political appointees at the top of the department said no. Go get him! Get him! Get him! Get him! And now they're trying to drag the former vice president in front of the grand jury. They're trying to drag the president's lawyer in front of the grand jury and violate attorney-client privilege. These cases are being heard in front of an Obama judge. Her term as the judge in charge of these kinds of motion requests with the grand jury will be up, is up actually at the end of this month, so it's over at the end of February. And she just coincidentally was replaced with another Obama judge. See how it works? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The Communist Manifesto in 2023 by Tim Graham. I listened to this. It is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. He says it's entirely predictable, even inevitable, that public broadcasting would favor socialism, actually Marxism, in all its programming. But it's a little more surprising when it openly touts the Communist Manifesto. Since I'm a conservative glutton for punishment, he says, I was driving on the highway on Sunday morning listening to that National Public Radio distributed program on the media with host Brooke Gladstone, the Brookster, a longtime fixture at NPR, it's a woman, was predictable when she chatted with socialist Naomi Orkis about their mutual loathing of free market fundamentalism. Free market fundamentalism. But the next segment was even worse. My jaw dropped. Gladstone gushed that since 1847, Karl Marx and Frederick Engels had offered refuge, inspiration, and argument. So many arguments still. She oozed like Hamlet's ghost. The manifesto is both impossible and imperative in its call for action. Oh, they're so poetic. Then she introduced British author China Millville whose 2022 book, A Spectre Haunted, is, she said, a nonfiction rumination on that stalwart text. The Communist Manifesto is crap. Everything Marx predicted is wrong. A stalwart text, the incendiary inspiration for ruthless and expansionist dictatorships which murdered millions of people from 1917 forward is celebrated on American radio. Yes, and what this has to do with the media is anyone's guess. Gladstone suggested the manifesto is a great read. It's stirring. It scans. She quoted another Marxist, Marshall Berman, insisting for the oppressed, the book provides music for their dreams. Its literary merit should not be held against it, these two agreed. I don't even know what that, its literary merit should not be held against it? Oh, it must be so sophisticated. They also agreed that E.O. Wilson was wrong to mock Marxism as contrary to human nature. 
as lovely theory, wrong species. <laughs> that actually sums it up. Suddenly I was thrust backward into my college years in the 1980s, listening to the British scoundrel try again to say the Soviet Union wasn't really communism. That's what she said. That's what the author said, because I heard them say it. Oh, sure, anti-communists use the existence of Stalinist regimes against communism, they say. But that ignores that literally for over 100 years, there have been very serious debates within Marxism, within the left, precisely criticizing those regimes. Not just that these were not desirable and not sustainable, but they also, not in any meaningful way, communism, if you look at Marx and Engels. Of course, this ignores that if... They were actually serious critiques into communist regimes. The dissenters would be liquidated. Now, I want to pick up on this because this is spreading like, uh, like a liberal hemorrhoid. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877 381 3811. You know, unfortunately, and it is sad, as popular as my books have been thanks to you folks, when I'm dead and gone, and future generations are fighting on to try and preserve some level of republicanism and liberty in this country, as it gets harder and harder to do, that's when the books will become most popular. It won't matter to me, I'll be gone. But I'll give you an example. This guy wrote this book, who's a socialist, I would argue a communist, that Tim Graham at MRC uh, picks up on. This guy, Mr. China, although I think China's his first name. He says, <clears throat> to simply act as if the mere fact that these unpleasant regimes, he's calling the Stalin regime in Russia, just an unpleasant regime. They called themselves communist as therefore evidence that communism is doomed. And to have no curiosity about the internal debate, again, is not just serious. That idea that Stalinism disproves communism rings very hollow. How about Castroism? How about Maoism? How about Gism? How about Pol Potism? So communism has never been truly implemented. And Tim says, this is a revolting charade. Communism is so glorious, no one's ever gotten it right. So it remains perfect in the pages of a book. Now, in my book, Ameritopia, I discuss this. And it's not just with respect to communists and Marxists. It's respect to what happens here with American Marxism. Take a look at Palestine, Ohio. See, the problem there is the EPA is not big enough doesn't have enough tools, doesn't have enough money. Mary Garland testified the Department of Justice isn't big enough. Doesn't have enough tools, doesn't have enough money. We don't have enough equity in this country. We have to keep fighting a civil war in one form or another. There's not enough immigrants in the group. There's not enough this, there's not enough that. And it all is working against limited government, individuality, and capitalism. We can achieve perfection with our experts, with our ruling class. They're just so brilliant. They're more brilliant than any ruling class in modern history. 
And of course, the opposite is true. But with respect to Marxism, when I use Marxism, I mean communism. I mean the same thing. Of course, Marx didn't call it Marxism. He called it communism. But I call it Marxism. But in any event, it just hasn't been done right. Don't you understand? Everybody who's tried it has gotten it wrong. You just don't understand the debate about how these things work. Tim goes, there was no conservative dissent on NPR stations from coast to coast, and I would have loved to have debated these nimrods. Millville decried the overt sadism of the far right, which are inevitable escrescence of a system predicated on profit over need, built on the bones of a system of patriotic and white supremacy and so on. This is a white British guy. Conservatives are the best argument for communism. If you see this new sadistic hard right as an inevitable feature of capitalism, then the stakes of moving beyond capitalism become ever more urgent. This is government radio in America. Do we need government radio in America? We have thousands of stations. Do we need national pubic radio? Seriously. Which is funded in part by capitalism? By you with your taxes? And so when they or the pubic broadcasting system go on TV selling their, uh, you know, roll into the 50s or the 60s or their Motown stuff or whatever, and I love Motown, and they're on there trying to separate you from your money, giving you a T-shirt or whatever, don't give them a damn thing. Don't give them anything. They have just enough programming to keep you interested. But these are radical left operations. That's what they are. NPR plays to the New York Times crowd. The cover up the Holocaust crowd. But now you have NPR promoting communism and the Communist Manifesto. Does it get any worse than this? I guess it does. Once they finally implement the whole damn thing. I want to circle back to uh, what Joe Biden said today in his giggle. And listen listen to this, please. He's attacking... Oh, what is her name? Can't always remember. MTG, Mr. Producer. Who is that? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Cut one, go. She, she was very specific recently saying that a mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that I, that I killed her sons. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> All right, Look. so they hear him giggling. <laughs> so Rebecca Kisling, the woman who lost the two sons to fentanyl poisoning, here's what she had to say on a Facebook video yesterday. Cut to go. He starts to laugh and says that, well, it turns out that... They died before I ever even became president. (laughs) Really? This is how you speak about the death of my sons? Because a congresswoman misspoke? You mock the loss of my sons. How dare you? What is the matter with you? Almost every 
ordinary Democrat on the committee offered me condolences. They at least had the decency to do that. You can't even do that. You have to mock my pain. And of course, he'd never say that about his poor deceased son. It's really outrageous. Corinne Jean-Pierre, a real spokes idiot. And she's asked, does Biden regret his giggling? Does he regret his giggling when he did? Cut three, go. Can I ask about a moment in the president's speech last night in Baltimore? Uh, he was talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene, and he mentioned a mother that had lost two of her sons to fentanyl. He said the interesting thing is that the fentanyl they took came during the last administration, and then he seems to laugh. Uh, the mother's demanding an apology, and I'm wondering if he regretted how that came out. So, you know, I want to be very careful here because this involves um, a mom, as you just stated, who lost two sons. And when it comes to this president, I believe the American people knows who he is fundamentally because he's been around for some time. And they have watched him go through grief. They have watched him deal with really... So it's about Biden's grief, you see. It's not about this woman's grief. And she turns it, making it into Biden's grief. It's, It's really so unconscionable. Go ahead. And um, so this is a president that understands that. Uh, He expressed sympathy for her last night, um, and uh, his heart goes out to uh, any person, any person who has to So why doesn't he say it? He didn't say it. Why do you say it? Why didn't he say it? We don't need interpreters. We understand English. That's not what he did. That's not what he did. He said a poor mother who lost two kids. That's the extent of that part of it. Before he giggled. Go ahead. That type of uh, trauma, that type of hurt. Uh, I will say uh, his words are are being mischaracterized uh, by... uh, I'm not even characterizing his words. I'm just playing the audio. Right, Mr. Producer? I don't have to characterize his words. The audio speaks for itself. Go ahead. Someone who is regularly discredited um, for, uh, for things that she says that... She has nothing to do with this. It's not about Biden's loss, and it's not about Congresswoman Green, Marjorie Taylor Green. It's about what Biden said and his giggle. That's what it's about. Go ahead. Conspiracy theories. And those lies are being parroted by a certain network. Uh, and No, they're uh, not being parroted by a certain network, you moron. You know, it's a funny thing, these attacks on Fox. Fox has an outstanding news operation, and they have opinion people who have brains. Everyone doesn't always agree with one another, whether it's Ukraine and Russia or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. But intelligent people and intelligent guests. We were the ones who questioned this idea that the 
that the virus came from animal to human leaping and were mocked when we mentioned the lab. We were the ones who were mocked when we mentioned the the usefulness of masks. We were the ones who were mocked when we brought on experts and talked, and from Stanford and Yale and Oxford and other fantastic medical institutions and scientific institutions who talked about natural immunity over vaccines. We were the ones who raised questions about Russia collusion and raised questions about the Mueller report. And I could go on and on and on. Not the New York Times, not the Washington Post, not those crack faces over there at MSNBC and CNN, not the crackpots on the network news. We were the ones who raised questions. We happen to be right in every instance, by the way. That network, say it, you can say it, say it. Go ahead. And, you know, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just leave it there. They all talk alike in this administration. Kamala, Joe, Kaleen. Austin, Blinken, all mumble mouthers. Have you noticed? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Just because the media don't report it, there are still massive numbers of protesters in Iran. And Iran is literally an inch away from having a nuclear bomb. That's what American intelligence has put out in the media yesterday and today, and I know they're right. And the UN agrees. So what's going to happen now? What's going to happen now? The Russians, their forces, as reported by IBT, have carried out relentless attacks on Bakhamut, a town in eastern Ukraine, a small eastern town, and claim their, to try and claim their first major prize for more than half a year. They're trying to surround it. The Ukrainians are putting up a massive resistance. It's the bloodiest fight of the war so far, and you haven't heard about it. Ukrainian President Zelensky who the Putinoids and their hemorrhoids are trying to turn into the enemy. He's a good man. He's accused Moscow of throwing waves and waves of men into battle with no regard for their lives and said the fighting was most difficult, but the city's defenses have been essential so far. He said the enemy continues to advance. The assault on the city continues. The general staff of Ukraine's armed forces said in a Facebook post, the leader of Russia's Wagner mercenary group said the Ukrainians were putting up furious resistance, trying to hold the city at all costs. Russia also said it had repelled a massive drone attack on Crimea, the peninsula it, had forced, uh, it seized by force from Ukraine and claimed to annex in 2014. And Moscow accused Kiev of launching a series of drone strikes on targets in Russia itself. Oh, you don't say. So here's a country whose people are being slaughtered, whose towns are being leveled, 
whose energy grid has been destroyed, and they've launched a drone attack on Russia. Oh, I'm sorry. Reuters was able to reach Bakhmat, the town from the west, proof the city was not yet surrounded, despite Russian forces pressing from north and south to close the last access routes. Flames and smoke rose into the sky from blazing buildings. Constant gunfire and explosions rang out into the sky. Ukrainian armored vehicles roared through the streets while stray dogs wandered amid the mud and debris. It's a real war, folks. A Ukrainian soldier said in a video he posted on messaging app Telegram that it was a bitter calm in Bakhmut. We have silenced the enemy a bit. There's a gunfight on the outskirts, a few explosions, shells flying. But we are standing in Bakhmut, the town. Nobody plans to withdraw anywhere at the moment. We're standing. Bakhmut is Ukraine. Glory to Ukraine. Reuters was able to confirm the location of Bakhmut from the look of the buildings in the video. Only a few thousand residents remain inside the ruined city from a pre-war population of 70,000. It is frightening indeed, said a middle-aged man, bundled in a coat and woolly hat on the steps of his apartment block. I can hardly move my legs. They barely move from the stress of the situation. As long as my home is intact and I'm not hurt, I'm going to stay here. That's what's going on. The Russians are throwing people, many of these soldiers, they don't even want to fight. They're being mowed down. On the other hand, the people in this town are being brutalized and killed. All right, folks, we salute all you heroes out there, and we will see you tomorrow. Keep your chin up, and God bless. See you then.